0: One, two, three.
1: Welcome to Three Song Stories, the show where our guest's connection to music helps us walk through the stories that make them who they are. I'm Richard Chinquay. Our guest today is Jerry Mitchell. Jerry is an investigative reporter whose work has helped lead to convictions of Klansmen from the 1963 assassination of Medgar Evers, the 1963 bombing of a Birmingham church that killed four girls, and the 1964 slayings of three civil rights workers. His work also led to the 2016 conviction of Felix Vail, the oldest conviction in a serial killer case in U.S. history. He was depicted in the film Ghosts of Mississippi, which covered the events of the Medgar Evers case. And while he wasn't depicted in it, the film Mississippi Burning covered the FBI investigation of the Birmingham church bombing. Jerry's also founder of the Mississippi Center for Investigative Reporting, a nonprofit news organization that reports on the criminal justice system, public corruption, political cronyism, and racial disparities, to name a few things. And he's also a MacArthur Genius Grant winner, a Pulitzer Prize finalist, and author of Race Against Time, his account of covering unsolved murders in the civil rights era. Hey there, Jerry. How's it going? It's going great. Thanks for being here.
0: Oh, it's great to be with you.
1: So uh, you're, I'm going to be honest with you, you're kind of an imposing figure journalistically. Oh, wow. Um wow. Really? Uh, like, like, I was doing my guest research on you for the interview, yeah. and my hands kept getting sweaty. <laughs> I, like Every every paragraph that I read got me more and more nervous. Um, oh, so I, I want to ask you... Yeah. Uh, What real life and what fictional journalist do you aspire to be more like? Oh,
0: real life journalist. I mean, you know, I grew up wanting to be Woodward and Bernstein, you know, Mm -hmm. when I was a young journalist. That's, you know, that was what I aspired to. I wanted to be that kind of investigative reporter. You know, I saw the President's Men movie. It's like, I want to meet the guys in the parking garage. Yeah. So, yeah, that was it. And then
1: fictional? Um, you watch a lot you know, of new shows? Yeah, um
0: I don't know, either the real life ones are the ones that mean something to me. Mm. I'm fictional ones. You know, you, you you see the movies, I don't know. To me, that those were the ones. I mean, they were real life, but they were also in movies. So, sure. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, all right. Uh can you describe for me the musical background of your childhood?
0: Yeah, you know, w- very musical family. My dad's family very musical and uh, actually very silly. They were uh, <laughs> they would like play the kazoo and all this kind of stuff and 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 so I grew up, you know, of all things on movie soundtracks, movie musical, a lot of it movie musical Ooh. soundtracks. So I grew up on Rodgers and Hammerstein, South Pacific. uh... A little bit, you know, South uh, Sound of Music. Mm-hmm. Uh, later on, Doctor Shivago and and uh, different things like that. And that was very much my mom and dad's taste in
1: music. Yeah. So um, we're. Would you say that like a really big chunk of the music that you heard growing up were part of film? Like, like it was yeah, yeah, less, uh, less we, radio,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Because my parents dragged me to the first movie when I, I literally was, I think, nine weeks old. So I we went to movie every weekend, and I, I'm wow. very much a huge film buff. So. Oh, cool! Um, and I love movie music, and uh, you know, you always go through that transition. I think uh, at least I did where you know, all movie musicals, eh, you know, <laughs> but then I saw a chorus line, uh, traveling Broadway, uh, performance of chorus line. And I fell back in love with moving musicals. So, um, but my, one of my earliest childhood memories is, um, driving around San Diego, which my dad was in the Navy and listening to. I want to hold your hand on the radio mm, and mm-hmm. mom and I singing along, you know, and it just was such great joy, you know, in that, you know.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny because retrospectively, a lot of people, you know, lay that at the feet of like bubblegummy, you know, like kind of pop. But mm-hmm. honestly, the ability of the Beatles to make a song that kind of was so straight up and down. But catchy as yeah, right. it's all day long, as like, all like you, you get just out out of couldn't. Long. Those early
0: Beatles songs. I mean, you realize, and I don't think it's ever been done since they had the five top songs. Yeah, I mean, number one, number two, number three, number four, number 5 were all Beatles songs. You know? and that's I, 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 you know, I remember when I want to hold your hand was playing on the radio. All it was all the time. It was playing all the time. Yeah.
1: So, um, since you mentioned uh, like musical movies. Uh, yeah. What is, what is maybe your favorite movie soundtrack that is not a musical where, you know, where the, the music isn't happening in the actual.
0: Movie? Hmm. That's a great question. Uh, you know, Hitchcock had some great ones, Ooh, yeah. you know, um, Bernard Herman and, and, and others, you know, that, and, um, I don't know that's a great question i don't it's hard to pick i, I you know dr shivago is a great oh. soundtrack I, my mom and dad have did have good taste on that one,
1: so. <laughs> um what's the first time that you feel like music moved you in a way that wasn't just like that sounds nice or it's fun to listen to but well, i mean as a kid yeah i loved it and and you know as you got older oh i mean um like what was the first song you remember going like "Ooh, that makes me feel away. Well, I
0: mean, I want to hold your hand and make me feel joyful. Uh, you know, once I got a little oh. bit older, it meant a little more. It was a little deeper, <laughs> sure. you know. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, music just began in my teenage years. I was, a, and still am, a huge Elton John fan. And really? so um, I came up in the 70s. So, yeah, I started listening to Elton John. And it, it was that was it. I mean, just that music began to kind
1: of penetrate and it was more than just... A song. Sure. Yeah. All right. So you mentioned kazoos, but uh were there any, let's say, instruments that you can play in an orchestra? Yeah. <laughs> well I am not
0: in <laughs> orchestra, but I can I could uh play piano. My dad played the piano, he's a very good okay. piano player and we would sing and, and, and um and I learned to play piano but I wasn't nearly as good as my dad, yeah.
1: Okay. Um, Pitiful. Do you still, do you still like poke at one or?
0: You know, weirdly enough, I occasionally find myself these days occasionally writing songs. I mean, not that they have to be for, you know, consumption or anything, but yeah, just on my own. It's like a tune will come in my head and then I start putting words to it.
1: Oh, fun. Um, if you could learn another instrument instantly, like Matrix-style, right? Guitar. Oh, guitar. yeah. That's guitar. a popular instrument. Guitar. <laughs> yeah.
0: guitar. You want to be the Why? cool guy Cool the, you want to be the, the cool cool guy playing guitar. Yeah. Guitar was always cool. I mean, it was always that <laughs> you go to summer camp and the guy's <laughs> playing guitar. Me, I'm like, I, there's no keyboard around. I'm sorry. Right, you know? I
1: have good news for you. Um, I, I took like six, seven years of piano taught myself to play guitar uh, there because you go. once you can play yeah. piano you can play yeah guitar. you know the chords. yeah of that's least. right yeah all right um so uh siblings
0: i uh, this is ridiculous i am an only child likewise and also an only grandchild on both sides so it's like i don't have the any golden first child cousins. i have no first cousins
1: so uh, uh other than your parents then uh who would you say was the biggest musical influence on you um, you know, the, the music,
0: I mean, uh, I guess what I would point to is I, when I went to college, mm. um, I had a, a roommate, it was six years older. And so for the first time, you know, I'd heard Beatles and I mentioned the Beatles mm-hmm. is one of the first songs I, I really remember, but I really hadn't, you know, those deep cuts, you know, I didn't know. And so I had a roommate that had all these Beatles albums and suddenly I'm listening to for the first time to Abbey Road mm-hmm. and Sgt. Pepper and a White Album. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, these are revelatory to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have a, I did have Revolver already. But um, anyway, but yeah, they, that was just like, this is fantastic. This is great. So yeah, so that was really, I guess I had a, a an additional musical awakening of sorts once I got to college. All
1: right. Yeah, you know, uh, just like last week, we were in the car and Come Together came on. That's such and a great just, song, That yeah. gets a hold of me. <laughs> like that's something you, know, about you, it, think, you
0: really listen to that, and 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 uh, it's just every. It's kind of like every beetle at their height. Yeah. If that makes any it sense, it makes perfect sense. The so drumming is incredible, mm-hmm. and then Paul's bass line might be yeah. one of the. It best drives the whole ba- thing. It, yeah. it may be one of the best bass lines he ever did. And then of course George's guitar, mm-hmm. and then John, uh, you know, just uh, the
1: harmonies in it are also oh yeah, like haunting. It, yeah It
0: it is, and I think Ringo picked it the other day. If he could only listen mm. to one Beatles song, it would be "Come Together." I'm like, that's, that's, not, a that's I <laughs> not a bad
1: pick. I agree, not a bad pick. Do you remember the first music that you owned that was yours and not your parents? Uh, yeah,
0: it was uh, Elton John don't shoot me i'm only piano player like that was the first conscious uh thing i bought you know what i mean like with mm-hmm. my own money type thing
1: one week ago our guest in this chair had uh one of the songs from that yeah yeah <laughs> like
0: was, which one daniel or daniel
1: uh, that was the one yeah, yeah daniel one was, week a ago. Huge, yeah. was a huge
0: huge song for me and i remember playing that over you know I had it in cassette. I was one of the first kids, or at least first kid I knew who had a cassette player. No one else had a cassette player. When I went to the department store, Uh they had eight tracks and albums galore. And literally, I'm not not lying, they had like five cassettes, five (laughs) music cassettes. And I think I bought... Almost all
1: of them. So anyway. <laughs> you buy you bought what you could get. It didn't yeah, really matter yeah. what it was. And, yeah. and so
0: I bought that one. But that was the first Elton John album I had, and and listened to Daniel nonstop. Like I would rewind it till hear it over and over <laughs> again, and then finally, of course, fell
1: in love with the whole album. But it's a, it is it's a great album. All right. So you mentioned cassettes. Uh, did you ever make uh, mixtapes?
0: I did. did I, ever... Again, yeah. I was one of the early kids that had a cassette player. So I used to be able to listen to WLS Chicago, where uh, this is like I'm 13 or 14, <laughs> something like this. So I, I could listen to WLS at night, John Landecker WLS, John Landecker, uh, and he was there forever, I think. And and so I would tape the songs, but i create my own mixtape, you know, The one was like off the radio. And sure. later on, I did more of a... What you would really think of as a mixtape. But what I mean is, I would take the songs off the radio literally in the early, early days. Like I had a little transistor radio and oh, I would yeah. tape them.
1: Did you ever make a mixtape for anyone else? Oh, well, later
0: on, sure. Yeah. 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 Once you got older. How'd that know. go? Oh, I don't know that it
1: went very well at <laughs> oh, <no>. all. <laughs> I don't think it worked. <laughs> no. Nah. All right. Um hey, I think we're getting to where your first song is going to be. Yeah, um, yeah you yeah. want to do them in the order that you were Yeah, absolutely. It? All right. Uh so this first one is uh the Supertramp song, right? Uh, the yeah. uh do you want to do you want to talk about the story first or do you want to listen and then talk about well, it? Well, uh, yeah, we can just play it. All right. We're going to listen first. Um, so this is Jerry Mitchell's first song here on Three Song Stories. It's uh, by Supertramp, the logical song off the 1979 album Breakfast in America.
0: Oh, yeah. bro, It took me all the way back. I mean, I have so many memories connected to the song. but um, But I'll never forget the first time I heard it. I was in a record store, I expect, when they used to have record stores. Uh, <laughs> well,
1: they have them now again. Yeah, that's yeah, true. They're coming back. back. Vinyl's back. Vinyl's back.
0: I remember my son playing a vinyl record for the first time. I was like, Dad, this sounds better. Isn't I go, I neat? know. <laughs> 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 um, but anyway. Yeah.
1: Where where was the story?
0: Texarkana. Texarkana, okay. Texas, uh, which is where I grew up. And uh, I heard this song. It was back in those days, you actually could request them to play a song or an album, and they would do that, yeah. that which is weird, but, you know, the, you know, now it seems so out of date that you were, you know, you've got YouTube for that, right? But, but back then, you, you couldn't necessarily hear things that you, you know, weren't on the radio, so, uh, you know, or unless your friend had the album. So it was a brand new album. Mm-hmm. I heard the song, and I was like, I bought it on the spot. Like, I, I, <sighs> that song yeah. made me buy the whole album. And then I bought it as a cassette because I had um, had a cassette deck in my and uh, truck. My mom and dad just let me drive it. And I'll never forget this. I put it in a cassette deck. And, of course, I played it everywhere I, I drove. It did not leave the cassette deck for more than a year. And that song, like that album, yeah. stayed in my cassette deck more than a year. It was at,
1: harder uh, when you liked one song on a cassette album, too, because you had to rewind it every time it ended. Yeah, you put, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm talking
0: about I love the whole album. I mean, yeah. I, I, I love the whole album. Yeah. I, and to me, even to this day, I think it's a terrific album. But I, but I was going, it was, it was 79, mm-hmm. and I was going to college and went to this kind of very strict college. And it just connect i connect it with it with in an incredibly deep way so it's like this about you know everything seems so magical mm-hmm. and mystical, and then right? mystical and then you know and then all of a sudden they're teaching you how to be logical and responsible and practical and i just relate to the song in the in the deepest way and um and so i just and and, and the, especially the last line so you know you tell me who I am and and I'm like oh wow you know and it just it was it seemed incredibly profound at that moment and it still is I think it's a great question who am I really and uh, you know Roger Hodgson I, I think talked about even that aspect of the song he just felt like that, that made that song universal mm. and I think he's right I think that's what made that song so universal and I think it still works today um,
1: oh yeah it's popular enough, you know. Th- this is one of the songs. There's those songs that um, you hear them. I think a lot, maybe through pop culture, maybe through parents or something. And it happens when you're too young to remember the music, and then you hear it later in life. Right. and go, wait, wait. Well, I know that. How do I know this song? This is that for me. The first time I heard this, I was probably in my teens, which would have been in the late '90s. Right. Which would have made it 20 years old. Yeah, well, but, yeah I was old then. But point. I, but I, w- as soon as it started, I was like, wait. Da, 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 da. I was like, "How do I know this song? I don't know. It was probably everywhere when I was, yeah, you know, little. yeah, when you're a kid." Um, so, you know, where does it fit in your life today? Do you still keep that cassette around? Well,
0: no, <laughs> I I still listen to it. Uh, in fact, uh, I have, you know, I run mm-hmm. uh, to music. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a runner. And, uh, that is a, I still have that album. I still play that. Album. i still listen to this album. So it's still, to me, it's a terrific album. It's, uh, I think it's sold more than 20 million worldwide, Ooh, you know? Wow. So it's, it's one of those rare albums. I think I, it's, it's very rare in my opinion, where you can have an album that's popular, but also really you know a really good album yeah and, and and the musicianship is just off the charts uh super tramp's a great group and then and then the songwriting by both roger hodgson and rick davies is just terrific it's 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 one of my all-time favorite albums so yeah so to this day
1: so you heard it while you were in college and you and were it still resonate contemplating some of those things about exactly who you were um what were you studying then
0: well, you know, I I was uh, taking courses in journalism mm-hmm. and speech and all those things, and so yeah, I was trying to figure this. You know, what have I? I you know, I thought about journalism in terms of because I like to write, and so those are the kind of questions that, I, that were going through my mind. Is that is, what do I want to do? You
1: know? Did the song drive you to co- to contemplate other careers? Oh, uh, you know, just in the sense of
0: searching, uh, you know. Yeah. I think, you know, and and other music that followed, I think, you know, helps to carve that path. You know, um, I know along about the same time, I my the older roommate I'm talking about had uh, Jackson Brown album. I never heard of Jackson Brown, so I heard the Pretender album. And, oh wow!
1: <laughs> and it's a great and
0: it's a great album. um, That you know. Again, it's right the, there.
1: The same, yeah. It's same era, and
0: and it's terrific. It, and the songwriting is incredible. And Jackson Brown's a great songwriter. But that that album in particular also, you know, kind of spoke to me. And my, I think my generation as well. Mm-hmm. You know, what what is this all about? You know, it's, it's easy to go chase money, but what does it really need to be about? And and that was something I was thinking about.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the main kind of music you would have been listening to in let's say late high school, early college, as a style?
0: Yeah, well, you know, rock and roll, although not necessarily that heavy, you know, pop rock, mm-hmm. you know, and I like, you know, I mentioned Supertramp, I liked Genesis, I liked, um, which I guess technically gets into some prog rock, which I guess Supertramp gets into some of that, but it's not, anyway, somewhere in that
1: neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, we know. mentioned... um While we were in the song, there we mentioned that you don't get to hear a lot of sax solos. Yeah, (laughs) you don't hear sax
0: solos anymore. I, I, you know, the musicianship, as I mentioned before, is just terrific.
1: Okay, Um, if I say uh, high school slow dance, what's the first song that pops into your head? (laughs) High school slow dance. You know, uh, you
0: know, back in those days, it would have been, you know, uh, just these cheesy songs from the seventies that were Mm. just god awful, and I really didn't like them. You know, so. I, I did. I don't even know. then, it, even then they felt cheesy. Back Even then, like then. they felt cheesy. I, I, I know, I, you know, it's not that there wouldn't. It, one of the songs from back then that <laughs> I love here, I could see it. Oh, I know. My favorite, one of my favorite love songs yeah. from the 70s to this day, and it means more to me as I've gotten older, mm. is uh, I'm not in love and it's actually a love song. You would think it's not a love song, but it's it's actually the song of a guy who's protesting. That he's not in love, and he really got clearly, she, clearly she is don't protest too much. Yeah, yeah. protest too much. It's a it's a brilliantly done song, and it was very innovative. Um, and they actually used tape loops for all the voices, so it's oh. got it's it's worth listening to from a perspective of production. It's uh sure. it's very well done.
1: Okay, um, are you a dancer in general? I I I I've tried. And people tell me not to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, I can, I can. If if
0: I, has, I, I have no trouble bopping around and, and and that. But I, but I'm not a dancer. If it no.
1: has steps, I'm solid. Yeah, but Like yeah. if you're just like just dance, no, no not like no, that. No, not. Um, hey, what was the last concert or like per, live performance you went to?
0: Uh I went to see Newsboys. Ooh, was that
1: here? No, uh, no I was here. You're in Mississippi. No, I'm in Mississippi. I <laughs> yeah. saw them
0: in Mississippi. I yeah. saw them in the Coliseum in Mississippi. And it was cool because you know, I start I got into the Newsboys way back. I fact I remember taking my take, kids to see Newsboys. Take me to your leader. That was that was the one right after that. It was oh, uh, Entertaining Angels oh, yeah, tour, okay. yeah. which is great. Yeah. Great album. That's I love that album. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about another album I, I love a lot. And so that was the album tour and that was a terrific it's a terrific album. Entertaining so, angels. So album. my
1: father works for an, a nonprofit food organization and mm-hmm. they got invited to do something at the concert that, cool. that, that they were putting on right up the road here. Oh, yeah. uh, they live on the other coast of Florida, but he was like, Hey, I'm gonna be in your in your neighborhood. Do you want you want me to come by and see if you can come backstage with me? And I was like, Yes. And we ate dinner uh, I love the uh, across stories. from uh, Mike in his kids oh, like wonderful. we were like that's that's mike from the newsboys right there exactly. and he was like hey guys um so um yeah, yeah that the... was great
0: because they were united because it was uh you know michael tate mm-hmm. who's the new singer for newsboys yeah, yeah. and it was kind of like the new group and the old group together it was called newsboys united yes so i get to hear all the old songs all the old
1: weird songs all the old weird songs take I me love. to your leaders a weird song it's a weird it's so song good
0: it's a great song and then uh <laughs> The ones that my kid the one that my kids loved yeah. so much uh-huh. uh, is is breakfast. Yes,
1: breakfast is so good.
0: It's a great song. Huh. And my I think it was I think it was especially my son. It was just an excuse to be able to yell at the word hell. You, yeah. know? <laughs> yep. you know, it was like they, they don't, don't serve, serve breakfast, breakfast in, in hell. hell, you know, yeah. you know, kind of shout it out, yeah. you know?
1: And um it, it you know, it it was also quintessentially nineties. Like it had mm. that, you know, that sound that was like, oh, okay, we're doing something I
0: love- different. I love that. I love I love the newsboys. No uh, so no huge, huge fan I'm of the newsboys. So, so,
1: I'm so glad we're sitting across from yeah, yeah. no one knows breakfast. Um okay. Um if you ha- could if you had to describe a peak concert experience, uh what what do you think about? Um I've had several.
0: Um what? I saw well the one that that probably resonated the deepest is I got to see Elton John at of mm. all places, the Grand Old Opera. Wow! You imagine? Okay, jeez, it's a weird. It was weird, and the audience was weird. And we knew people in three-piece. This is you know. Got to remember, this is seventy-nine. This is not. This is not current day. It's not now, Elton John. Yeah, you know? yeah. So seventy-nine. <laughs> so we're telling you these people three-piece suits with boots, <laughs> and it was like the weirdest sight and the weirdest audience. Yeah. And but. Uh my roommate from college and I, and we we were and there were a couple other people who came with us, we rushed the stage at the end. So Elton was as close as you yeah, are. Yeah, wow. And so it was that and I'm in a concert, he was that close. So we rushed the stage at the very end. And it was doing and so for the third encore, he did twist and shout, oh. which is this song and response. So yeah. we were doing the response part, like he would shout at the yeah. first part, he wasn't doing both parts, he was only doing the first part, and so we were bopping around, yeah. you know, to twist and shout, mm. Elton singing it out, and we're you know belting out the responses. and were about thirty or forty of us., I remember that that's just such a, it was a great memory of uh wow. of song right there, yeah
1: um if you could see any performer living or dead at their peak, who would you see?
0: no john lennon john lennon yeah, yeah. or the beatles yeah the beatles yeah. i'd say the beatles, I say, I'd say the beatles. beatles. yeah I, i'd say the beatles but yeah lennon i was gonna go see him my roommate and i had already said this is 1980 his new album was out i got it i'd been listening to it loved it and my roommate and i both they went to the same one. went to elton john concert with me johnny johnson um <laughs> Oh, by the name. way,
2: Johnny <laughs> Johnson. Well, well, here's the funny part.
0: Here's the funny part about that Johnny is actually Japanese. Ooh, he, he, he's Johnny from Japan. From he's Japan. from Japan. <laughs> yeah. And so his real name is Katsunora Yamamoto. And I just told him, oh, they just translated that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: that's just uh, that's the romantic. Yeah, that was of it. it. That was it.
0: That's it. Uh, uh, he's a terrifically uh, funny Katsunori guy. Morgana. But we, we're going to go see. We said, no matter <laughs> yeah. where John Lennon is doing a concert, we are going. And he got assassinated.
1: Oh, oh, oh no! Just yeah, awful. that's it. Yeah. Um, what's the furthest you've ever traveled? Oh yeah, we drove. We
0: drove from Searcy, Arkansas, all the way to Carbondale, Illinois, to see Elton Man
1: Don't know where either of those places are, but I well, know where the other are.
0: It's roughly yeah. southern Illinois. Okay. Uh, so
1: that's a pretty good. I, I don't know. Yeah. Arkansas a, to Illinois is pretty good. Yeah,
0: it's a good it was a good trip. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um all right. Well, I think we're about due for your second song here. Oh yeah. Sure. Um so uh, you brought us a Bob Dylan song. Um do you want to listen first or uh, We can listen first. All right. This is Jerry Mitchell's second song here on Three Song Stories, only upon in their game by Bob Dylan, off of the 1964 album Times They Are a Changin'. Only upon in their I, game. I did Buy a
0: Greatest Hits Dylan album, but I not really get to Deep Dylan until, actually I started working on these cases. I was working on the Medgar Evers case and found yeah. out there's a Bob Dylan song. Bob Dylan wrote a song about Medgar Evers. Oh, can really?
1: You, can you walk our yeah. listeners through Medgar Evers and sure. and your involvement in that? This is a good time, I think, too.
0: Yeah, I'll try try this real quickly. Uh, so I started, you know, quite by accident, to be honest, I started... You know, if someone tells me I can't have something, I want it like a million times worse, mm. you know. And so there are these secret records of this um, state segregation and sovereignty commission, spy agency in Mississippi. And so I got those records and what they show is the same time the state of Mississippi was prosecuting a guy named Byron D. LeBeckwith for the murder of Meg Rivers. This other arm of state sovereignty commission was secretly assisting defense trying to get Beckwith acquitted. Nobody knew that. Mm. And so the case got reopened. That was October first of eighty nine when that story ran. So, anyway, in the process, he he, I went and interviewed him. He got indicted uh, in December of nineteen ninety, and then there was a gap of like four years before he went on trial. Sure. It it was just, it, and while during that period of time, I found a. Bob Dylan wrote a song about right. Meg Rivers, really. And so I got the CD and heard this for the first time, and I'm like, oh, my. Meg Rivers was a um, NAACP leader. He got involved in civil rights as soon as he came back from War Two, mm-hmm. and became very involved in voting rights and all these things. And, and so he became – he was assassinated literally on the same night that President Kennedy delivered his first civil rights speech uh, in – June 11th, 1963. He was shot on that same night um, in the back, in his own driveway. And his killer got away with it, essentially. Uh, he was tried twice on all-white, all-male jury, and he walked away. And so I started writing about the case. The case got reopened. Um, and then he got arrested. And uh, during that period of time, after he got arrested, it's when... I began to get more deeply into Dylan. And so I heard this song yeah. for the first time. Yeah. And which, by the way, uh, interestingly, was there's a lot of interesting trivia about this song that I know now. Lay it on me. It, it, it was unveiled on Meg River's birthday Wow! in 1963. So this was literally weeks after he was assassinated. Yeah. It was unveiled in Greenwood, Mississippi, a little farm in Greenwood, Mississippi, by Bob Dylan, Mm -hmm. who uh, civil rights activists were there and sung along with him. There are pictures and even video of this. Um, And so uh, that's where he unveiled this song, On River's Birthday, literally Mm -hmm. weeks later. So he Mm -hmm. wrote this in a rush. And then, of course, more famously, at the March on Washington, Mm -hmm. uh, where obviously the public got to hear it for the first time. And it's so incredibly insightful. I mean, here's a young Bob Dylan, uh, you know, what twenty something, obviously, and he wrote this song. And it's uh, the whole premise of the song, as you listen to, is just that don't blame the killer, blame the white politicians that put this killer up to this. Right. And that's so fascinating to me. It's not like that idea is ancient; it continues on. You have politicians. Who will say things publicly that will get people riled up and they go do things. And then it's like, oh, it's not politician's fault, is it? Well, of course it is. It's Rhetoric has consequences. Mm, mm. And so it's going back to England. The the king of England said, who will rid me of this turbulent priest? And they go out and kill him. (laughs) Well, I, I mean, you know. You think you're doing the service when when someone in power says stuff like that. So I I think if we're very careful, you know, and think about this, this continues on to today. And I'm not speaking of anyone in particular. I'm talking across the board. Politicians say things that can have profound effects, not just in this country, but around the world.
1: Yeah. I think that extends, um, I think, like politicians, celebrities. Oh, um, yeah. Absolutely. I I heard an interesting idea that, you know... um, in the in the absence of chiefs and kings, uh, people who are simply famous have all the cachet that we would want to give to like somebody like that. And sometimes all you need for that cachet is for your head to be 80 feet tall on a screen because it's like, well, look, look at him. Exactly. Right? Look at that guy. He's like big brother. Right. So <laughs> and if they say if they say that it's important right. to do, then I'm going to go do it. Um. So, um, so I went, yeah, yeah, I, the trial then there, it was reopened.
0: Well, I'll mention a little bit about Beckwith. I
1: went to interview
0: yeah. him, um, uh, you know, horribly racist, just inward this, inward that. Yeah. And then he started all the other non white races, yeah. and then, um, and he's very anti Semitic as well. And so I talked to him about six hours, and it was getting dark, and I'm like, really, I'm good. I thought it was a good time to go, <laughs> yeah. He insists on like walking me out to the car and I'm like really that's okay I think I'll find my way <laughs> yeah so he walks me out to the car anyway he gets me out there and says if you write positive things about white caucasian christians god will bless you if you mm. write negative things about white caucasian christians god will punish you if god does not punish you directly several individuals will do it for him
1: okay wink wink
0: yeah <laughs> so yeah, that was my encounter with uh, with the killer
1: does the song take you to that that, yeah. that interview? Yeah, it yeah. takes me
0: back to all that time. I mean, uh, and and then eventually seeing him convicted, the killer convicted. And, yeah, that uh, was
1: in, uh, was that 94? It was. Yeah. Um, in fact, there's a
0: movie, if people are so inclined, mm, uh, Ghost of Mississippi. Uh, yeah. Which I actually watched them film it's, a lot of it. It was really kind of an a, odd experience.
1: Oh, yeah. That's a, um, yeah, that's a, that's a good film, by the way, as um, I enjoy it. Um, so, you know, I think when moments like that happen, the the conviction um, at the end of that, uh, there's this there's this idea, I think, that we that that we, I think, collectively feel sometimes that this will be like the pivot point in American yeah. race relations. Like, it's like, oh, finally. Yeah, you feel a like joint you, moment when we can all kind can of all turn, celebrate and it'll be different. Going yeah. forward, and then, like things don't seem to move much, yeah, um that's a good was point. there a feeling then like that like well, to... I think it was just kind of I can tell
0: you, I could describe exactly what happened, yeah. so you heard when the word "guilty mm-hmm. rang out, you could hear these waves of joy as they kind of cascaded down the hall till it reached a forria full of people black and white just erupted in cheers and and I just felt chills because. Yeah the impossible had suddenly become possible in this. And yeah, you think, well, maybe we were finally getting race, right. Or with the election of Barack Obama, you think, oh wow, we actually, uh, a black American got elected president. We, you know, someone even talked about post-racial America and then, you know, George Floyd and other things kind of remind us, well, not quite so fast, you know, but that seems to be the, 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 um, in race relations, this country, unfortunately, that's mm. been our history. We take a step or two forward and then a step or two back.
1: Hmm. Um, I think uh, on that note, that's this is probably a good time to talk about um, your investigative journalism career, uh, specifically, like in the prosecution of Klan members. Yeah. Um, how do you end up in a position to be doing that kind of work? Like, what, what is? How did you get there?
0: You know, as a matter of faith, I just, you know. Thank God, <laughs> used me for whatever purpose, you know, and all that. I I feel very fortunate as a reporter. I just started on, on the Mega Rivers case, uh, you know, and then that led me to the next case, which then led me to the next case, the Birmingham church bombing with the four girls, and and then back finally in the Mississippi Burning case, which is actually the first case I wrote mm-hmm. about, uh, but nothing ever happened. So, um, and there were convictions in all four of those. So. Very blessed. Very fortunate.
1: Um, What is it like as a journalist, you know, who often have to only report kind of in post, like this happened and that's what happened, to feel like you were maybe impacting the actual events or making a difference in in investigations? You worked with the FBI, in fact, right? Or they used some of your...
0: I didn't. I didn't work for the oh. FBI. Not at all. I just. I just an investigative reporter and wrote my stories. Well, my opinion was always uh, just write it in the story, and then they know, don't they? You know, mm-hmm. I don't have to. I don't have to go down the street and and talk to the FBI. Sure. They can Or the prosecutors or anybody else. They they can read the paper. <laughs> uh, so that was kind of my philosophy about that. So and you know, and I certainly knew them and um, you know work with them in a, in a sense. I mean, in the sense of I would. Be interested in information maybe they collected mm, as well mm, mm, Yeah. You
1: know? okay um do you listen to that that song um only Pound of the game very often nowadays no i
0: don't you know i listen to dylan some but that, that's not necessarily a song I listen to it, it's uh but whenever i hear it it's incredibly moving mm. uh, I, i'm probably a bigger fan of highway 61 album Mm -hmm. and blood on the tracks
1: mike mike canary is a big blood on the tracks guy it's
0: a it's those two Mm -hmm. albums you're talking about dylan those to me are dylan's two best albums that's my opinion some (laughs) are going to say blonde on blonde other things but those are my two
1: um you ever see him live i have i did see dylan live yeah uh, yeah. did, he, did he play any of the songs that you... Well, you no, he way, didn't play any of the way. ones I wanted him to, but <laughs> but,
0: but he did, you know, Blow in the Wind. And, I'm going to... Uh, I'll, I'll relay... Know, all those... Well, he those, uh, we did, uh, you know, Rolling Stone. I mean, like, uh, you know, like Rolling Stone, which that was fantastic. I'll was, relay a Mike Canary
1: story since he's not here to do it, but sure. he went and saw Dylan and he played, he played all the big songs, but he played them... However, he felt like playing them that day. All right. <laughs> so you couldn't Well, tell Dylan, <laughs>
0: Dylan has a habit, and everyone who knows seeing Dylan concert knows what I'm talking about. There are times where, in terms of vocally, mm-hmm. he just kind of muddles through it. And I don't know how, I don't know what's the, call it and and when i saw him that that was what he did he was just dylan being dylan dylan, yeah. being dylan all right
1: um what kind of device or devices do you usually listen to music on nowadays you mentioned you're a runner so i everything
0: phone. i well no watch
1: oh yes okay fair fair
0: i use an apple watch yeah i listen to my music when i'm running on an apple watch now which i'm very grateful to have it's so much easier than um well i i shouldn't say it's that much easier because I had an iPod shuffle. So that was pretty easy too, but it's, it doesn't fly around like a shuffle does. (laughs) Um, and then, uh, in the car I have CarPlay. So, you know, that's easy. And so I have the, you know, the YouTube, what is it? YouTube, Red or whatever it uh, is. Oh sure.
1: The music app, yeah. yeah. Like their version of yeah.
0: Yeah. So I i get all okay. I can get any music I want off of that. And uh plus music that I I purchased that's on Apple. I have an
1: iPhone and Apple. When was the last time you purchased music in physical form?
0: Ooh, that's a long time ago mm-hmm. because I remember so distinctly walking in the record store, mm-hmm. you know, and they didn't have they didn't have a record. <laughs> you know yeah. like i went in it was uh, uh elvis costello which oh yeah I, I'm, a, I'm a big costello fan i've okay. seen him live too um but i went in well, to me armed forces and imperial bedroom are the, the best albums that i know at least that i like um but i i went in to buy his new album and they didn't have it in record and I just remember just like, so that was the, from. I realized I had to break down and get a CD player. So I just, you know, oh, they, they broke you. They broke me. <laughs> I'm you know? done.
1: All right. Yeah. Um, uh, do you listen, we're trying to find this out from people. Do you listen uh, to radio music, like music on the radio in your car?
0: <laughs> not very often. I do listen to contemporary Christian stations once in a while, but not very often. Usually I, I'm kind of, you know particular about my music mm-hmm. you know i like the music i like and i'm not going to make any apologies for it and then i'm not of playing it you know so yeah, there you that's go. A, i have no problem with that
1: <laughs> all right uh i think it's time for your last song um yeah so uh do you want to listen or do you want to hey, we can listen uh, all right we're gonna listen first uh this is jerry mitchell's final song here on three song stories jesus freak by dc talk off the 1995 album jesus freak jesus, that was like that was my first step into um, what eventually became to be called Christian contemporary music, but I would say that like was nothing like what we would eventually call Christian contemporary no, no. music. Um, and and uh, if, if if you're listening and that's the first time you've heard that like song or that band, like you should understand that th- this this band DC Talk was like the equivalent of the Beatles yeah. to to Christian music I, because I would agree. they they were just like playing something that people were like you can do that that's not something you're allowed and it's like yeah we're gonna do that um and and they, they kind of changed the way yeah
0: they, they changed the whole i mean you gotta remember up until this point uh and i was among those listening I michael w smith, michael <laughs> smith amy, amy grant amy grant yeah those were the, Amy kind of was first and then Michael W. Smith, and it was this very soft, you know. It was know, ballads. It was like, ba- it was like an yeah. album of ballads. Maybe you have, like, Michael W. Smith would have some really soft rock yeah. or something, you know, it's very, you know, very mundane, so to speak. Mm. And so, yeah, I'm like, so I, I saw these guys mm. as a warm-up act to Michael W. Smith. <laughs> and, Woo. and, uh, and you know, it was like they blew me away. I mean, it was it was kind of like I didn't know what I was encountering, and this was the previous album. Uh, And so it was hip hop, it was R and B, it was gospel, it was all this a, a lot of mix of interesting things, I, you know. And I liked it, but the the Jesus Freak album is one that blew me away. Yeah, it was just yeah. blew me away. I was in a Christian, you know. um, bookstore Mm -hmm. and they played it Mm -hmm. and it just blew me away i'm like oh wow so uh, what i always say about this album is uh, to me it's it's one of my favorite albums of all time and and i think musically it stacks up like it's not It's not like with the other songs before that, you would say Michael W. Smith and Amy Grant. Oh, yeah, it's very great in terms of content, we'd say, you know, in terms of song and the message and everything like that. But I think DC Talk was the one that came along and said, you know, we're going to do the same. We're going to be just as good. Yeah,
1: my my music test is usually my my quality test for music um, is usually if I don't speak a word of English. Right. How would I feel about that song? Correct. And I think like for all credit where it's due yeah a lot of a lot of the acts that we named before like Michael W. Smith like if you don't speak English you'd be like yeah it's kind of wishy-washy sounding yeah, song yeah but exactly. like but this if you like this you like this and it doesn't yeah really musically make, it's yes, outstanding incredible. it's insane uh, <clears> so. I have I'm so glad you said it was a great album because I have here as a note great album I remember Between You and Me like that that's, was the
0: it was the hit know I mean, it yeah. kind of was a crossover hit for them. It's
1: a very 90s like that that feels 90s. People would know,
0: people would recognize that song cuz yeah. it would play on
1: the radio. Um so what's the story? When you hear that where do you go?
0: I you know, I think back um I think back to uh when I was about 40, I I really hit rock bottom, you know, um and you know, I experienced this spiritual awakening and um God spared me. I always think of the "Amazing Grace" song, you know, say, "Such a wretch like me," you know, and 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 so I experienced this incredible spiritual awakening, and and so those songs began to become even deeper meaning for me as well. Um, they already meant a lot, but even more so, and just spoke to me deeply. And to this day, I play this album mm-hmm. at, still a lot. I I, I take it running. You know, I listen to it when
1: I'm running. Do you run faster when, you, when this one comes out? Oh, yeah. It's, it's hard, hard not Jesus to do. Freak. Like, Jesus free.
0: Jesus free. You try not to run yourself out. I but. try to
1: pay attention to the BPMs of songs when I'm running. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, that's, yeah. And,
0: and of course, I'm also a big Toby Mac. He, he, DC Talk broke up eventually. Yeah. And then Toby T-Mac. Mac, who's the main songwriter here, um, you know, went on and he still continues to do mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. music. Uh, so I listen to him as well. And um, as well as the newsboys, Michael Tate's with them now. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, Yeah, uh, several acts and a number of acts. But anyway, but it just, that experience, you know, I think Jesus Freak just played such an important role in that, in terms of that process of going, you know, experiencing that spiritual awakening and realizing, hey, wait a minute, I'm really arrogant and I'm really have all these other faults that I wasn't seeing. And I'll say this as a matter of faith, you know, I started uh, reading. I just started the Bible from front to back, and and uh, and I was kind of like to God, hey, you tell me what you want to tell me. And the other thing I wanted him to do is, um, you know, when I read about these Bible characters, maybe a King Ahab or somebody like that mm-hmm. that it seems so awful, you know, I want to be able to see myself. And so he did that. And and I read through and I began to see myself in a way I wasn't seeing myself before. And I, you know, kind of the scales fell from my eyes and really realized uh, how far I had fallen, didn't even realize it. And um, yeah, so it so was great. I mean, it was just, uh, I, I'm very grateful.
1: So like the, that first part of that first verse probably hits pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. You know, that, you know... You know he talks about you know, separated, I cut myself clean, you know, from the from the past that comes back on my darkest of dreams. Yeah. I mean, that all that I, that that very much spoke to me. and um, and then th- this idea of being a Jesus freak, I don't really care what they say. Yeah, you know, there's no disguising the truth, and I, it's just like, yeah, that's the that's the kind of faith I want to have. I want to have that kind of faith. If you're yeah. gonna believe, believe absolutely. Yeah, um, believe absolutely or don't believe. Yeah. You know?
1: Um. So, you know, popular though it was, and it was popular in in the mid '90s. Um, I would say that you were probably not their core demographic. Probably they released that
0: song. Probably not. I was a little um, older.
1: How how did, did, did that pan out in any particular way? Like, were, were, I mean, were, it was, was it you and then like a bunch of teenagers at the concert? Oh, at the concert. It's
0: like, yo, you know, well, you know, when they were the warm-up act, uh, you know, Michael W. Smith, there, there were a lot of people in my age. A bunch of people with
1: earplugs in waiting for... Yeah, Mary exactly.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, when DC Talk played, it was really loud. Yeah, it was a it was. lot louder than the other, and there were people that walked out. <laughs>
1: yep, I bet, I bet.
0: <laughs> you know, because it was just loud. You know, and they weren't used to that loud of music. And I, but I loved it. I mean, uh, and my kids grew up on it and everything. So yeah, yeah, it's you know, I guess it was a weird, Dad. I don't know. I just, <laughs> you know, I I cranked up, you know, Jesus freak.
1: You know. Uh, do you do um, any Pod? I never did POD.
0: I did, you know, Newsboys, yeah. Audio Adrenaline. Yeah, Audio A. Uh, you know, those were kind of at the afters. Um, you know, it's
1: funny. My um, uh, my very first concert, my li- live concert of any kind, was a Skillet concert. Yeah. And that was, Skillet. That was way back. And yeah. then I didn't think about them for a long time. And then- my wife came to me one day and was like, hey, I really like this band that I'm hearing on the radio. And I was like, oh, who's that? And she's, like, it's called Skillet. And that's, that was like three or four years ago. And I was like, I've been trying to get you to listen to Skillet for a decade <laughs> Um Okay. Uh, all right. It's time for like a speed round. We're going to kind of sure. run through some questions here. Um, so do you karaoke? Have you karaoke? Is that something you would do? I
0: have not done that. I could, I could do that. I could do that. I can do Willie Nelson or somebody like that.
1: What would be your go-to song? Like if you had to do it with no preparation?
0: It probably, I'd probably do Willie doing "Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain" or something, something like that. Just mm. something for fun. I, I, I would, you know, me doing it myself. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I can sing. I, I, I can sing, but I, you know, it's, it's just. I, it's like I'd almost rather put on another persona, If that makes you sense, you could
1: pull. Out, just like, I know this is audio, people, but yeah. like I'm uh, Jerry could pull off a Willie Nelson. Yeah, like I, I kind of you get, you I'm
0: getting old now, so it, kind of more every day. I look a little more like Willie Nelson. Yeah, if, you,
1: if you turned up, <laughs> if you turned up the little bit of accent that you have up to, 11, yeah, yeah, I bet I bet I can hear Willie. Really. Um, okay, um, hey, if you were a pro wrestler, what would your walk-on music be? <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't
0: know. I kind of like the Jesus Freak song. Uh, <laughs> that would be a good one.
1: Um, and then, well, so you need a, n- a wrestler name now, too, then.
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. I have no idea. You know, holy terror, you know. <laughs> holy
1: terror. I like that. That's really solid. All right. Um, let's say you got a bartender friend, and he says, uh, you know, Jerry, I want to immortalize you by making a drink that I'm going to name after you. What is he going to make? Oh, Doesn't have me. to be alcoholic if you don't like, but it. going to no make I have
0: no idea. I have no idea. No one's ever asked me that one. <laughs>
1: Good. That's how we roll.
0: Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um uh, yeah, Jerry Mitchell, which would be uh water. Yeah.
1: A water. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a water or a soft drink. I, what what do I drink these days? Cherry Cherry uh Coke Zero. Yeah.
1: Okay. So uh, maybe a Cherry Coke Zero. Uh can you name it? Like give it a name name, like a like a what well, sounds like a cocktail name to it?
0: Yeah. I have no idea. I don't, I, I, That's I, I, what we're going to call it. <laughs> the, I have no have, idea. The I have no idea. The, I it. have no idea. That's
1: it. <laughs> cherry Coke, maratino cherry. Ice. Yeah, that'd
0: be good. All right. Mar- you got to have the maratino cherry. Yeah. Mar- you Mar- yeah.
1: Mar- yeah. Um, what's a song that you wish you could hear again for the first time ever?
0: Hmm. Song I wish I could hear for the first time. Um... You know, like, you know, I don't know Abbey Road album or something like mm-hmm. that. You oh, know. Well, the
1: next line here is album, so that'll be the album.
0: That'll be the album okay. uh, song.
1: Uh,
0: yeah, the logical song would be a would be a good one to hear Ooh, for the yeah. first time. I, I think you're because yeah. it it blew me away the first time I heard it. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, if you had to pick a most overplayed song of all time, uh, what would you what would you gravitate towards? Well,
0: for my childhood. I, this is my go to uh, Seasons in the Sun. Oh, uh, joy. We had fun. Oh. We had Seasons in the Sun. It yeah. was horrible poetry and overplayed. True story my mm. older roommate, who I've already mentioned, uh, was the DJ when that came out. And he told me he broke that single live on the air. <laughs> So he wouldn't just have to play. It. It. He, uh, <laughs> so he wouldn't have to play it again.
1: Oh yeah. Live DJing in the in the big push of top forty, like when they stopped being mm-hmm. station stopped having mixes and they started saying these are the ones you're gonna play it must have been just yeah, a you, you, nightmare.
0: Yeah, it would have had to been But the other thing is kind of fascinating when I look back at the top forty charts, mm. you know, top forty radio. Yeah. yeah. It really for my childhood it's really amazing what all Was on the same dang radio station.
1: Yeah, so pre pre genre segregation broadcast meant that like it wasn't down to the rock station or the country station. It was played it all. It was down to their mix, like which who was playing the best songs. Well, it would be
0: Willie Nelson. It would be then it might be Olivia Newton John. Then it might be Led Zeppelin. Then it might be Cool and the Gang. Mm -hmm. I mean. I don't know. I, I think there's
1: part of that that I kind of like. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that. Yeah,
0: you know that, that, that because we got exposed to all forms of music, which yeah. I'm very grateful for.
1: Yeah. Um. It 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 also meant that there was kind of um. This is a little bit like kind of like the nightly news broadcasting too. It was yeah. that when 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 there was less of it. Everybody culturally shared it because you yeah, exactly. Like, everybody was l- watching or yeah, listening, exactly. I and
0: mean, that yeah. was there was some fun to that. Yeah. I mean, the fact that every every you could mention a song and everybody had
1: heard everybody it. everybody had had heard it, had yeah. Heard it. And more importantly, the other way it didn't work. Like now, I know for a fact that I have no idea like what the. Ten most popular songs in oh, in, no. in America are right now.
0: I, I stopped listening so long uh, ago. I, I wouldn't. I know. just.
1: I. I just. And I'm not saying to name them. I'm saying if I heard them, I wouldn't know that I was listening to one of them. And back then, you would definitely have heard it. And and you know, there's there's give and take, right? It means there's more music being produced now than ever before. But so that's nice. It, but the interesting
0: but, thing I read the other day, it was in an article. It was the the majority of, of music that people are listening to on like Spotify and, and the mm-hmm, like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is 20th century music?
1: Hey, we're the kings. <laughs> so I just
0: find that I just find that fascinating. Yeah. That, you know, the music I grew up with is the music people are still listening yep. to. So, well, I feel uh, you know very prejudiced about that. That I think that the maybe music, some
1: vindication in that stat. Yeah, I think
0: <laughs> you know I still to this day believe the best music ever written, at least within my lifetime. Uh, it was late sixties, early seventies, roughly.
1: You know, look at us waxing poetic about the overplayed song. <laughs> question. Yeah. Um. All right. If you could broadcast any song into the head of everyone in the world simultaneously, what song would you broadcast?
0: Wow. Um. Not "We Are the World," but that 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 would be one that you would think mm-hmm. should be right. Mm-hmm. You know, but um. You know, uh, you know uh, maybe the Beatles' All You Need Is Love or something like that. Yeah. I, you know, something that would carry some kind of positive message. Um, you know, that, yeah, I'm just trying to think of one-off. Hand. All You
1: Need Is Love is a great song. A great one. Yeah. yeah. Just Between um, You
0: and Me by DC Talks, another good one. <laughs> good you know. do, you, do
1: you know what's funny about how All You Need Is Love is I forget in between listens of it because I don't listen to it often. In between, I forget that it's like that's like the whole song like just over and over again. Mm-hmm. But then by the end, it doesn't matter. Like you're just like, oh, you need, it's, it is It is really that. solid. Um. All right. Uh. Are there any albums that if you start the beginning of the album or somewhere like in the middle that you basically have to keep going until the end of the album? Oh,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Well, Supertramp, Breakfast in America is one like that. Mm-hmm. Um. Another one like that to me is Genesis album, Duke, mm-hmm. which is a concept album and very much uh a- it's great. This is a great album, and I I got hooked on that one summer. It was the summer after Super, you know, Breakfast in America, and just started playing it. You know, I was working outside and I started playing it, and just over and over on cassette, and it just kept playing it, and it grew on me. And it's a it's a great concept album. I think it's my opinion. No, not anyone has to agree. I think it's a Genesis' best album. Oh,
1: okay. Uh, if you had to take one album with you, uh, Desert Island Style, and that's all you get to listen to, what would you what would you listen to? Um uh, probably Jesus Freak. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's Jesus pretty freak. um so I will mention that it's also really diverse in its styles from song to song. It is like some of them it's like that. Like, like, like that one's fairly like that one's like hip hop grunge, but like but between you and me it's yeah, like nineties it's like pop uh alternative. Pop. Right? Absolutely. Like so yeah. okay. Um what do you think fourteen year old uh, Jerry would think about you now and how and who you are? Oh wow and how your life went. <laughs>
0: Well, I, you know, went much different than I expected, you know, on uh, my, my parents, uh, my mom and dad owned a, like a tire store when I was growing up, and so I my vision was always not that I wanted investigative it. journalism. <laughs> yeah, my 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 vision. That, well, you know, really young, I want to be an astronaut. But uh, but a little bit older than that, my mom and dad had this tire store, and I was thinking, you know, not that I wanted it, but I figured, oh, that's this is what I'm going to be doing. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, it's mm-hmm. a, more a grudging realization. I'm probably going to be stuck here doing this, but that didn't happen. He sold it. <laughs> So, uh, anyway.
1: Yeah. Um, what well, if you could tell him something? What do you wish you could tell him? Um, you know, just
0: keep what's important, important, you know? Hmm. Keep your eyes on the prize. All right. Uh,
1: it's time for you to recommend three people who you're committing to share the podcast with when yeah. it releases and who you think would be good guests for us to reach out to.
0: Absolutely. So I, I, I created my list for this. Yes, you came very popular. uh One is uh, Rena Evers Everett, and this is the the daughter of Megger and Murley Evers. Mm. And uh, I think that's someone I would recommend it to. And then um, my best friend from college, and he's also, he and I write screenplays together, um, uh, Mike Roden, he would be another one. You know, I'd recommend it too. And then okay. my mom, you know, why not?
1: You know. <laughs> Are, you think each of them was going to listen? Because that's the, the litmus is you're Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. You're I think telling they'll them, listen. My mom will listen. Oh, hi. Yeah. Hi, Jerry's mom. <laughs> um, okay. So we have their names. Yeah. You got They've been called out. We I will have. reach out and see yeah. if they're interested in doing the show.
0: Oh, if, yeah. In terms of doing the show, I think. Oh, that's, you know, that's I don't know if my mom would do the show or not, but she that's will okay. listen to it. Yeah. Uh but Rena would be an excellent yeah. guest. And uh and and Mike Roden is
1: entertaining, so he's far <laughs> more entertaining than I am. Oh, well, then that's pretty entertaining then. Um all right. Do you have any final thoughts about this whole thing? I think it's been great. I I, I
0: when I heard this idea, I thought, you know, this should be NPR should should use this. This is a we great agree. idea. We <laughs> agree. <laughs> a, a great idea for an approach to interview people that uh, kind of get them to pick three songs, which forces them to kind of think about their own.
1: Oh my gosh, you've, you've nailed it. That's the reason we do it. Yeah. It's it's that we, so the line we use in, in our in our talks is, it turns people into their own best storyteller. Yeah. And, and, and people like
0: often that. don't think in those terms. Yeah. And, and I had to kind of really think, to be honest, I, I, I think I had five songs originally, mm-hmm. but I but I mentioned the other two, but I just, we didn't play them.
1: Yeah, it's hard. It's hard because you got to knock them down, and that's okay. And I could
0: have picked far more. I, I I love music. Oh yeah, I love music. And obviously, I always think of that scene in Diner, where um, you know, music plays such a huge role in that in that movie, and it's very much a guy's movie. But, um, but anyway, at one point they're talking about. He says. And she just kind of is not she's he like files all his albums in alphabetical order and by year of release, which is exactly what I do. <laughs> yeah. And uh and uh so anyway, you're talking and he says and she's just acting like it's no big deal. She, he gets on to her because she files the album in the wrong place. Uh and by genre too, yeah, genre too. And she's and he says to her, I remember you know. Ain't that a shame was playing on the Ray when I saw you walk in the room. Mm. And so there, there, there's something, um, it, what it is, music is one of the few things in our lives that's transcendent. There's not, there's just a handful of things that are transcendent in our lives. And so that's why music is so important. And what we listen to is important, I think. You know, it, it does matter what people sing about, and it does matter what they say. And, and that's why, I, anyway, I come back to that. That's why it's important.
1: Thank you so much, Jerry, yeah. for being on the show. This has been wonderful.
0: Thank you very much for having me. Strange fruit.
1: We make three song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Mike Nairi is co-creator and host. Richard Chinqui is co-creator, producer, and host. Tara Callaghan is our online content producer and host. Audio production is by Jared the Intern Gonzalez, and Chris Duffis is our executive producer. Our theme song was created by Dave, Dave, Dave Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. For this week's parting tune, we're jumping back one year to episode 157 with Adam Malloy.
2: We did a song analysis of Billie Holiday's Strange Fruit, which, uh, which I thought was you know p- was powerful and has since become synonymous with the study of lynching or the anti-lynching movement. Uh, but I, something was missing, and Kanye West Yeezus had just come out uh, that that year, 2013. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. 2013, 2014. Uh, and this is you know this is really me getting into my groove as a teacher where I felt so comfortable pushing the envelope. I was like, man, something's really missing. You know, this isn't. This isn't really hitting. Uh, so Yeez is, com- is there, and then on that album is "Blood on the Leaves," which he actually doesn't use. Billie Holiday. He uses Nina Simone's mm-hmm. rendition yeah. uh, in 1969 at the beginning of the track. And what I loved, uh, what I loved about that that song is that it it represented what I saw in the youth so well. That yes, history was a part of it, but it became nuanced and in more complex, and it became very spastic, like like almost. Uh, uncontrolled uncontrollable like chaos theory and i thought out of that chaos so the song represented that but it, it had that blood on the leaves aspect to it and seeing these kids just you know they were it, it allowed them a clearer lens in which to view what i wanted them to view it wasn't like using billy holiday like i was asking them, hey look at it like your grandpa would look at it i was asking him to look at it like how you would want to look at it not not even myself and tell me what you think and tell me what this means. And then, and then run me through it. Run me through 1924 to now. You know, it was, it was powerful. And I remember the kids producing all these projects. Uh, that's the most important part about history is that critical approach. Uh, because that way, uh, that way you can reconcile uh, and move forward. And you can try to break some of that perpetuation down.
1: Keep listening.